gets successful on says make your questions bigger than your answers that the average workplace or household b2c has to fix in some way you can either fix it with some crack sealant or you might even have to dig up down to the first level or the second level of sub-base foundation to use that metaphor in order to fix it so these deep issues are resolved. And my brand is focused on two main metaphors, the education, Sherpa, and then also the fact that I am offering tea. The tea though, in my world, that I'm bringing to the marketplace is trusted educational advice. Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to Coffee with Romina podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Romina. (laughs) I hope you guys are having a fabulous and a tremendous Tuesday or whatever day of the week you're listening to this episode on. Before we do get started with today's episode, I want to go ahead and ask you guys, how is your challenge going? Because I challenged you on the last episode to do at least one new thing or to try one new thing or learn one new thing every week for the rest of the year. So how are you guys doing with that? If this is your first time ever tuning into the show, go ahead and hit the subscribe button to make sure you do not miss amazing, amazing episodes. And go ahead and make sure to listen to the previous episode as well. And the one before that, and the one before that, and the one before that, and all of them, and just all of them, you guys. (laughs) And of course, I've said it multiple times. If you are listening from Apple Podcasts, you guys, I want you to take a sweet moment and give us a five-star review and a short comment. Tell us how amazing we are doing. And it seems like you guys are actually taking up this additional challenge, rating our podcast on Apple Podcasts, because we have some amazing new reviews. And today, I want to give a shout out to Clay, which Writes, your guests always have unique perspective. Thank you, Clay. Just just wait for today's episode, you guys. <laughs> today's episode, it's even better. It just keeps getting better and better around here. The next reviewer I definitely want to thank a lot is ABP Finance, which says, well done, such a well-produced show with great guests and insights. Thank you, thank you guys so much for taking your time and rating our podcast. For you that have not rated our podcast yet, you guys, on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment and do so. It just literally takes like five seconds. Give us a five-star review and a short comment and just put a heart in the comment so I know you are listening to episode 122. That's why you're putting a heart in the comment or you just love us, one of them. Well, before I go on and on and talking, because as you guys know, I had like three cups of coffee at this point, uh, Coffee with Ramina podcast, hello, (laughs) I want to tell you guys about SJ a little bit, about today's podcast guest. Before I tell you about SJ though, I want to highlight a couple of things that we are going to cover on this episode and you will be automatically, automatically persuaded to continue listening to this episode. So number one, SJ, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Number two, we are going to talk about some really fundamental importance between education and schooling. Because it is a big misconception between this two. And SJ, he is actually 
certified for everything disc so we're going to break down the disc personality i do ask sj some important question when it comes to dominance influence steady personality so one of my favorite questions that i honestly asked him was what is the biggest misconception for dominant people as well as for steady people because they tend to be really shy how can they ask for credit when credit is deserved but not awarded to them as well as for influence, where is that fine line between influence and manipulation and how we can look out for it? A lot, a lot more questions, but SJ, as a matter of fact, started this podcast with a bang because we start talking about the challenges of the global economy right now whenever we're talking about HR world, recruitment, or we're talking about retention or everything business or personal life focus because we are having an educational system that is an agricultural educational system marrying a modern workplace, which definitely brings a lot of challenges, not only to the education system itself, but to the workplace, to the families, to the way that everything, how this, at least in America, how the government was made, how the regulations were made. So this is exactly what we talk about today, you guys. Make sure to stay tuned, you guys, because we do have an amazing episode ahead of us. And SJ, to the futurist, to the consultant, to the mentor, to the educator, to the specialist, to the community ambassador, SJ, thank you so much for being a part of the show. You guys, I have nothing else to say, but uh, enjoy! Okay, seriously, that's my favorite part. Hey, SJ, how are you doing today? Today is fan-terrific or fantastic day. And I thank you so much for the opportunity to share with uh, your audience. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's a pleasure having you here. And for my loyal audience, you guys, just like I said on the intro, we're going to cover some really amazing topics today. But before we do get to the juicy questions, I actually want to pass on the mic to SJ. Tell us a little bit about how did you go on having the career that you have right now? Give the audience a little bit of background on that. Absolutely. I'll hit, there's a couple books that have been released over the last 15, 20 years that talk about an inflection or a decision or a turning point. Not a new concept. So that's what I'm going to do to answer that question. I'm going to hit some high notes, some soprano notes on the scale. And if we need to unpack any of them for your audience, it'd be my pleasure. So the first note I will hit, I do have to go back a little bit in time, is I had a great example of how to be self-employed, how to be a solopreneur, sole proprietor from my father. And I want to honor my father. I wanted to give him the shout out he deserves because he gave me a really good example as I was growing up um, outside of Cleveland, Ohio, here in America. He gave me a really good example on being self-employed, doing it yourself and being able to support a family even. So that would be the first thing, a seed that was deep inside me. Now, I didn't end up watering that seed completely until I got into my mid-30s. So that was about gosh, almost 20 years after I graduated high school, obviously, by simple math. And then I was at an inflection point. There's that word. I was in the corporate world because I found out later on, Romina, that conventional colleges and universities, the accredited ones, the vast majority of them are part of a machine or a cycle. It's sort of like going down an assembly line and building a car. I found out too late because if I would have known earlier, I may have made a different decision, but hard to say it's part of life. But I ended up finding out later on that they pretty much exist for two reasons. 
They want to direct you into the A or the academic pathway, meaning get additional credentials, master's, PhD, et cetera, or they want to put you into some corporate entity, some corporate organization, which is called the C pathway. So that is the second inflection point is I realized looking back from my mid thirties that that's what had happened to me. And I was not satisfied at all with my career back then. I, on the Gallup Barna study, I would have been called borderline actively or just generally disengaged. Okay. So then I met my first mentor, a gentleman named Terry with a Y, and he got me started down the path of being a student again, but not for a credential, but for becoming a better version of myself. You incorporated the CEO of my own professional life, my career. And that's when I started a side gig. And then the side gig eventually, as another inflection point, went from being a coaching practice to being an educational business. So I left coaching, moved into education. And then a mere months later, I went full-time in the educational space. And then later this year, it'll be uh, seven years since I went into education. And then early next year, it'll be seven years since I went full-time. So that is some of the steps that I took going all the way back to my father's example. I love it because that's not the traditional way of going about life because you get taught that if you go to school, and I know we had this conversation before you guys with John Farhat, we do have the power lunches and we had had this conversation before, which I loved it because we did talk about the regular pathway. You finish high school, you go to college, you get your AA, you get your BS, you get your MBA, find a good job you know, have that set salary, work till you go 50 or 60 and then retire and then enjoy life. And that's congratulations, 60 years of your life, you've just been working for, you know, for corporate, you're not really taking charge of your own destination. And I love it because SJ has a really good, you know, example of just taking charge of your own destination. Like he said, he decided to be the CEO of his life. And that's absolutely very important because I think we are a fortune one company to begin with. We have our own mission and vision as individuals. So once we start getting charge of our own destinations and start leading our life, however we want to, that's when we have tapped into a different potential, which actually that's what you do right now. You help small businesses, you help families, you help nonprofits, you help different organizations to actually get the right education implemented for them to reach a new potential for them to reach a new milestone. So what I want to ask you, because you do have the background on that, but what's your process of doing so? Because every organization is a little bit different. So whenever you very first get introduced to an organization and you're like, you're here to educate them and get this, you know, this business to the next level. What are your starting steps to get the education going for them? Your research steps, let's call it at first. Well, Every introduction that I've ever been honored to receive, because I'm a big, big advocate of social capital. So I never look at an introduction as anything more than an introductory conversation to build rapport, build familiarity, and seek out that win-win that Stephen Covey taught us about over 25 years ago. So let's say we get into the top of the funnel, so to say. And I know, Romina, that is something that you're very familiar with. So I'm speaking your language now. Absolutely. <laughs> so the top of my funnel would be, again, that introduction and in building rapport and familiarity. 
But as I understand, and we're going to focus mostly here on the B2B piece based on the way you phrased the question instead of B2C, the biggest thing is I like to say or ask in the form of questions because success law, I think it's success law nine or 10, it's one of those two numbers, says make your questions bigger than your answers. So one of the first questions as a part of the assessment process, the intake, Mm -hmm is do you have any of these four things going on in your workplace? Whether it's virtual, hybrid, in-person, it's all the same in the end because it's all humans that are working in some sort of organization. So the four in no set order are customer service challenges. Another would be engagement and satisfaction. Let's flash back to what I said earlier about my own journey. Gallup and Barna, right? They do these studies on a pretty regular basis and the numbers are very disheartening. Third would be your general hiring and promotional practices. How do you do both of them, especially if you are a growing entity and you are bringing on more staff? And then lastly would be um, having a brain cramp here. There's a fourth one. I'll get to it later. So let's start with the three to keep things flowing. So we identify those. Okay. And then I like to say that from an educational perspective, you are Mr. or Mrs. or, you know, whatever workplace, and you have five people, you have 50 people, you know, numbers and, you know, who's in charge is not as important as the general foundation. And you are going to face the fact that the conventional classrooms of America and also of other Western nations, are using a predominant system of instruction that was first rolled out in the mid-1800s, the 19th century. Now, we are in the third decade of the 21st century, so the first thing is stop the tape. Why are we still dealing with that system, and why is that still predominant? But since you are a business owner or a decision maker at your workplace, you cannot control that. But what you can control is how do we address these three to four fundamental things? And what can we do to make our workplace better because we make you better because you are, again, a CEO of your own professional life, your own career? So that's how it all starts. And then the customization, to go back to the rest of your question, depends on how they answer those questions about those fundamentals. And then we put in place the fact that, hey, you're hiring people that the vast majority of them are going through an 1800s model system. So now we have to figure out all the gaps. We have to figure out ways that we can improve what the system turned out as, shall we say, incomplete, incompleteness. You know, these people are not complete. They're not prepared for life readiness. So we just have to fill in that gap and close it to the best of our ability. So that's how it works. And hopefully you followed the flow there. Well, yeah. And something, a parallelism that I would like to make, because you did focus on customer service satisfaction and promotion, and we're talking about B2B here. But even if you talk about B2C or family-wise, I mean, you're talking about customer service, just the day-to-day basis, going in and out, you know, errands and everything. Satisfaction is there satisfaction in the family or not? Is there argument? Is there not? Is there what's going on, like, towards the communication? And then promotion is the celebration of having a good path. So all those three 
it's just different names and different status go on B2B or B2C or small family that you do the education on, but they all have a parallelism with everything to kind of get along with that. So let me ask you this though, after you've done the research, you've done the intake form, how do you go about putting everything in the right place? And where do you see, like, do you, do you tend to see red flags where, and that's where you focus on towards, you know, what's missing on the customer service on the satisfaction or on the promotion, or do you tend to see for trends they are broken and they're not working? What's your path for it? I am a self described committed futurist. So I tend to use trends as my primary driver, Mm -hmm. my primary measuring stick. The trends in our society, coronavirus was a huge accelerant on a lot of them. They were already well underway. Okay. So when you look at the average workplace, I would contend to you and your audience, Romina, that the majority of these workplaces, even after what we've been through the last year plus, are still using a playbook that was valid and was predominant and was more applicable to the culture and society back in the first half of the 20th century, roughly 1901 to 1950, aka the industrial age. So you have an agricultural, industrial age schooling system predominantly, and then you marry that with an industrial age model workplace. No wonder you have customer service, satisfaction, engagement, and hiring promotional challenges because you are not lining up with the trends that are in the economy on a global scale. Okay. I have been in America in the state of Ohio my entire life, and I am not at all regretting that I haven't moved somewhere else or anything like that. But I'm also very mindful. You got to face the reality. The Stockdale paradox is what it's called. You got to face the reality of the situation. The reality situation is, is we have a lot of gaps, flaws, and cracks that the average workplace or household, B2C, has to fix in some way. You can either fix it with some crack sealant, or you might even have to dig up down to the first level or the second level of sub-base foundation, to use that metaphor, in order to fix it so these these deep issues are resolved. You see what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah, no, totally. I follow you because you're using, I would say, a floppy disk hard drive to fix, you know, a brand new laptop that doesn't even fit it. And it's broken. The system is broken. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what I'm bringing to the marketplace through the, through the fact that I, and, and my brand is focused on two main metaphors. Okay. The education Sherpa, and then also the fact that I am offering tea. So whether you are having hot tea or whether you're drinking some iced tea, since we're recording this around the time summer is coming, iced tea. The T, though, in my world that I'm bringing to the marketplace is trusted educational advice. I like that. Trusted educational advice. Now, um, I kind of want to move along a little bit because, number one, you're also an expert in, in everything DISC, uh, which is a personality test. And I would love to touch base on it, too, because DISC is, it was not available, you know, on the 1800s when everything took to place. The more research that we do, the more we 
try to analyze, you know, behavior, try to understand people's habits, try to see how the economy, even economic behavior, everything in the, in the matter, everything under that umbrella, it's changing almost every day. So we need to be up with the technology at the same time. We need to keep up with everything. And you do a really great job at it, especially when it comes to personality uh, assessments, such as the DISC personality. So first and foremost, let's explain a little bit what DISC stands for, what kind of task it is. Absolutely. So by, at the time of this recording, for your audience's um, edification, it has been about four and a half years, give or take a couple months, since I became an authorized partner for Everything DISC, which is a Wiley brand. So in that time... I have learned a lot about not only how it applies to myself, what interaction with prospects, clientele, customers, but also how it applies in a more localized setting to people within my network as I'm building social capital, as well as how it applies to microeconomy, so my locality or my state or my province. Lastly, how does it apply to the global economy, national economy? It applies everywhere. Because we are assessing, we are seeking trends, tendencies, and preferences. We are not pinning people down by the 1850, 1890s, that 50-year model, Mm -hmm. which is called the factory model or the conveyor belt of schooling, okay? So we're not not testing as a static thing and saying, you're done. What we're doing, though, is we're attempting to assess people because you are absolutely correct. This did not exist in the 1850s to the 1890s. So I was first introduced to this about eight or nine years ago when I was still in the coaching profession before I pivoted. And a gentleman named Robert Roan wrote a book called Positive Personality Profiles that I read. And he introduced this and he said something I've never forgot to this very day, almost a decade later. He said, you know, he said roughly four out of every five, 80% of teachers in conventional classrooms are mismatched with their students. Boom. Looking back through the lens of hindsight, which we all know is 2020, I can absolutely see what he was saying because my own journey absolutely enforced that because I got along with some of my teachers in the conventional conveyor belt, but some of them, it was like two incompatible things, you know, which I guess the example you always hear from me is oil and water. Oil and water don't mix too well. And then, of course, there were some teachers and such who were peanut butter and jelly. They did go to bed or well. So DISC is talking about the dominant, the inclusiveness, the influencer, the steadiness, and the conscientiousness of a person, and then how you can interact not only with an individual, but with multiple individuals. And that's why it can help not only you for self-leadership, but also it can ripple out all the way into how you deal with someone in another nation. Four and a half years, and I, I've i enjoyed the journey, and I love to continue to introduce it to people as a part of my uh, career. Something that you said kind of got stuck with me because the teachers and the, the students get mismatched. And that is so true because I feel like we are born with special talents, and if we don't get the right teachers from the very beginning, we might be shoving down our genius ideas and our genius moments and that if you took an extra step for the teachers, even in kindergarten or elementary school, because people already start, you know, that's where the brain starts going crazy a little bit. And that's where our imagination is on point. And what I'm thinking right now, just kind of a flashback. We did have a project one time. I was in third grade. We had a project that we had to be as a team and make a newspaper, like make a magazine. 
And that was the most exciting project that I ever did. I got like printer papers. I got them together. I stapled them. You know, I printed stuff, cut stuff from magazines, like made a whole magazine by myself. Okay. And that was the most exciting project ever. And now kind of going back to where I'm at right now, that's PR, that's marketing, that's sales, that's where I'm at. (laughs) So I feel like because we have those mismatches, we are missing a lot of future leaders, future geniuses that would be able to get, I mean, I know the episode is in America, you guys, but not only America, but get us globally to a whole nother level of a higher power. And we are missing this. Why, if, if we have people like you, and if we have people like everything disc, all coaches that have proven it, it works. Why is the system so hard to beat? And that's a question that can be taken rhetorically, partially rhetorically, or you can hit it head on like a hammer and a nail, right? I would prefer to take a little more head on and say this. A system that is status quo that some people, and I'm going to pull a little economics out here because I am an economics management major back from my past. So there's a term called an externality, okay? And I'm not going to get too deep into this for the audience, just skirt it over. An externality, and I'm going to, and if anyone who's listening to this is an economics major or is, you know, really, really good at it outside of that, bear with me if I mildly don't hit the full exact definition, but here's basically what that means is a lot of people figure that if, if education, which I would actually contend is schooling, which are different concepts, right? Totally. Okay. But if they consider whichever way you want to call it, education, schooling, and we already know where I stand and clearly where you stand, Romina, if we call that an externality, it's sort of like, okay, it's default. It's going to be provided by X entity. Okay. It's an externality. So therefore, competition, other alternatives, things like that, it's not really looked at. It's sort of like a lot of people still consider utilities, public utilities as an externality. I would say that they aren't anymore either, you know, because there's all kinds of competition that it can exist in that space too, in the energy space. So with that said, since a good chunk of society still calls the conventional 1800s, 19th century system and externality, they don't think anything should change because it's always been that way. And I would say, well, has the car you're driving always been that way? Has the type of way you access information always been that way? Those are two great examples. And I think we can all answer those questions, you know, again, rhetorically or partially or head on, right? So that would be my answer to that is I think too many people and we're coronavirus was again, definitely an accelerant on this, an accelerator. Um, you hit the gas on it is I think more and more people are figuring out it really isn't. And we got to match the type of education, including the delivery method, including the measurements, et cetera, et cetera. We have to match it to people's inherent gifts, their skill sets, their interests, their dreams, passions the potential they have rather than organize it by archaic means like grade level and where you live geographically and what type of educate, you know, what type of economic situation, socioeconomic you have. Those are all archaic measures from the agricultural industrial age. So that would be my contention to answer your, what you were sort of asking there. I mean, that's so true though, because you cannot see things how they were even five years ago. I mean, 2020, I feel like it was 10 years filled in one sometimes. It was a year on steroids to begin with, which it's 
If you were to tell people, though, that this is what, like, at the beginning of 2020, this is, would be at the end of it, everybody would look at you crazy and be like, yeah, okay, like, people are going to be able to adopt that fast. Yeah, like, the work environment is going to change. Yeah, like, they're going to let me work from home. And then look at where everything is at right now. And it's a domino effect, starting with corporate, starting with corporate real estate, starting with, you know, electricity, starting, like, even the the main expenses for to run an office, pretty much. But I do want to touch base a little bit more on the DISC personality, though, because D stands for dominant, I for influencer, S for steadiness, and C for consciousness. So I wanted to cover a little bit for dominant, for people that are dominant personalities, what is the biggest misconception that people have for them? This is more also a personal question because I've taken the DISC test and apparently I'm a dominant person. I would say the biggest misconception for a predominant D, whether it's a straight D or it's a blend where the D is predominant DI or DC, Mm -hmm. I would say the biggest misconception is that these people are automatically abrasive, okay? Automatically going to be the proverbial sandpaper in a relationship-minded world, right? Not necessarily, Now, because they are more dominant and more direct, Mm -hmm. the way you can work with them, and I'm going to keep this again relatively high level due to time and also because anyone who wants to go through this process can go through with me anytime and I'd be glad to talk with them. But keeping it high level, the reason why sometimes people, including me before four and a half years ago and definitely before the eight, nine years ago when I read that book, people just don't know that these people are wired that way. They're assessed that way, their tendencies, their preferences, and their dealings with projects, their dealings with people. That's just how they are. They're direct and dominant. But the biggest misconception is that they're automatically abrasive or that you can't build a relationship with them as another personality. So that would be the way I would assess it at a high level. So let me ask you this, though, because if you put culture with it, too, like Albanian culture, a very direct culture, for instance, would culture have anything to do with your personality trait as well? A case could be made for that. When I was on board as an authorized partner, we were given a lot of the scientific basis for this because there's certain things that we are clearly asked as partners yeah. to, to share, whether it's through the webinars that are delivered, which, I, which for your audience's benefit, uh, Romina, you, were, you took a webinar that I invited you to. So you got to see it from that angle or whether it's your own self-directed research. So... I don't want to automatically put a blanket statement that, and since I'm half Hungarian, I don't want to say automatically that all Hungarians, for example, or I have a part Italian. I don't want to say all Italians or all Hungarians are any type of personality, but there could be some predominance of certain traits or certain types, or another word is a temperament. Mm -hmm. There's another term underneath this you can call a social style. How do you deal with social situations? So as we start to open up more and more and more, and people start to get back out into society, whether you're listening in America or outside of this country, how do people deal with that? So perhaps Albanians are more direct at in-person engagement, and perhaps, I don't know, and I'm just going to say Canadians, and I'm not saying this is the case again, but maybe Canadians are a little more, you know, more passive. I don't know. So there might be a little bit of element in there, Yeah. but but this is much more of an assessment than pure science, if you follow me. Completely. Yeah. I asked that question because I had this discussion the other day with somebody else too, that they were talking about you very direct and you come out as a dominant personality. And I said, well, it's also an Albanian thing. So then I started going through my whole family tree and I said, 
yeah, it's like 70% Albanian thing, I feel like, on top of the 30%. So I just wanted to get you your feedback on that as well. Now, of course. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the influencer a little bit. The influencer, I feel like it's a great virtue to have because you definitely want to help others reach new milestones, help others reach to different potential, and help others towards new successes. But one question that I wanted to ask you for the influencers is, where is that fine line in influencers between knowing that they're influencing and being maybe manipulated? Is there a fine line for them? Or is influencers only for positive, the personality trait used only for positivity? I can see why you're asking that. I would say there is a line. Okay. Because when you are, especially if you're a straight, pure I. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a blend of I and S personally. So for your audience's benefit, I sit almost on the line between an S and an I. Mm -hmm. And we'll be getting to S here in a minute. So I would not be, pun intended, haha, I would not be in that camp of borderline between pure influencing and manipulation. But as you approach the D line, Mm -hmm. I can see how that could be the case because dominant direct combined with influencer used in in that context absolutely could lead to someone using emotional or cultural or probably emotional culture or mental. There's the word I was looking for, mental manipulation. And that's where salespeople especially, and there's a specific DISC assessment that is for salespeople. That's where you have to be cautious because some of the old school ways of selling, and I'm not a sales guru or anything. That's not my field. So if you're listening to this, I will defer to you on this, but I'll just say, generally speaking, through my own lens over the years, when I've been sold to, I can tell when there's manipulation going on, especially as I've gotten older, especially as I become the CEO of my own career, my own professional life, right? You incorporated. Okay. I can tell the difference, but others who either haven't taken this assessment or they allow consumerism to run their life rather than becoming a producer and looking to fill a value need versus just buying something. I can see how they might cross over between manipulation and pure influence because influence ideally Mm -hmm. leads to impact and the impact leads to some other result. Usually if you're in business, it would lead to income, right? But if you don't do it the right way, the influence could lead to manipulation or it could lead to leading someone to make a decision that's not in their best interest. Therefore, the win-win, the habit for Stephen Covey doesn't exist. So that's a great question. And hopefully I was able to unpack that a little bit for you and your audience. Yeah, absolutely. The reason why I wanted to focus on that actually is because as a podcaster, you know, we do give information out to the audience. It's not just me, it's other thousands podcasters out there. So I feel like we have to have a full consciousness, uh, kind of going slow to, to see, but we have to have a full consciousness and we have to be fully transparent that whatever message we're trying to deliver or whatever information we're trying to give to the audience, it comes from a very good point of view in order to influence and help them get, create a bigger impact in their life. But I've seen episodes where they would use it in the manipulation or I've seen podcasters use it in the manipulation setup. That's why I was asking and kind of touching base a little bit for the sales professional here coming from the sales world. Yes, a lot of people are very, you know, manipulative when it comes to sales. It is, you know, 
how sales used to work. Unfortunately, I used to work car sales and that's how it was. That's why I quit car sales to begin with because I cannot, I understand that I'm a great negotiator. I love negotiating. That's where like my blood starts pumping up, trying to go back and forth with using all the tactics because that's an exciting thing for me. But you definitely have to also play a conscious game and be able to, you know, not, excuse my language, but not screw somebody over really bad in order for just for your benefit. You have to have a win-win. You have to have a good result for both parties well both where the terms and conditions are satisfying to the both parties so i wanted to touch base on that because the sales world unfortunately it's still a lot of people the older generation still uses it the newer generation are getting a lot more conscious on it but without realizing you guys we're talking about education and the continuous of the technology here so for the people they are pushy they are dominant and they are manipulative um there's this thing called sales funnel and automation right now so if you're not saying ethical, unfortunately, you will be replaced as well. So this is for my salespeople out there that are listening. I love y'all. We are my salespeople. You need to stop being mean. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> now let's move a little bit to see to the consciousness. What does that stands for exactly? Because that's one of the ones that I always had an issue, not necessarily an issue, but like a not full understanding of it. It's consciousness whenever you're full, I would say mind, body, spirit, full and, you know, know exactly what you want. You're in touch with everything that's going on with, around you or you would like all the material or what is that exactly, that personality trait, if you can describe it. The way I would describe it would be the D and I have something in common based upon what we just said. And then the D and the C have something in common as well. So again, we're connecting that circle, right? So now here is where the C and the D intersect. So if you're a CD personality, DC, especially, or a pure C, you are very task centric. So you are the type of person, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about my intake and assessment when I'm doing B2B stuff, especially. Do you have the people in your workplace who are very task project driven? Are they the ones taking care of things in your so-called back office? These are not the people you want out on the sales floor or answering the phones. That's not where they are. That's not their natural gift set. They're the ones that should be doing your books for you. They're the ones that should be managing behind the scenes geniuses. Correct. They should be managing your inventory. They should be designing your expansion of your office, doing your strategy to get to your next country or whatever. Okay. They should not be out in the people side of things. So that's the simplest way I can describe at high level is they are much more driven by stuff to do rather than people to serve. Okay. I I, I can see that. That's a lot more clear to me. And I hope that's a lot more clear to the audience too. It's funny though, because all I keep thinking is my personality test is a DI, which is weird. <laughs> yes. Yes. And can, so, and you can see that. <laughs> well, you clearly have the, the people, the influencer piece, and then you have that dominant direct. And the beautiful thing about this stuff is it's purely assessing people. It's not yeah. putting you. It's not putting you in an age box. It's not putting you in a gender box. It's not putting you in a socioeconomic or any other box. It's just helping you to better understand yourself because how can you lead another human being if you cannot lead yourself? Very, very true. Now let's jump into a little bit of steadiness because that's also important. 
One thing that I've, uh, whenever I was doing research a little bit more too, one thing I've learned about steadiness is they are like the shy person. They get the job done, but they're the shy, the little bit introverted. One of the most asked questions on Reddit regarding the, the steadiness is how can uh, people with the S personality ask for credit when it's not given to them, but deserved because they, they struggle with raising their voice? Oh, wow. There's a question. Well, I mentioned earlier that I'm right near the line of SI, so I have some experience in this. And anyone who's an authorized partner, like I have been, like I say, for almost five years later this year, we're all still learning ourselves. So we're delivering content that is bringing up people to at least where we are. And as we keep growing, we get better and we can continue to make the impact that we need based on influence. So what a question. One possibility that I'll posit for that is as follows. So you are the steady person. You're the one that coalition builds. So you're the one who is looking for harmony. You're looking for peace. Mm-hmm. You're a peacemaker. You're not going to create conflict. That's your mother, D. Teresa. You want the in peace. many, in many respects, you are. Yes. That's a great example. If we were. If Mother Teresa were to take disc, I would say she probably has a lot of S in her. That would be and my some I, but S, yeah. Correct. But how do we do that? I would say there's an old saw or an old phrase that's popping to my mind here, coming from the back reaches up to the front. So we're going to share with the audience. You can look in a mirror and reflect something back, or you can look out a window. So it's the window versus mirror philosophy. So someone who is more S is probably more inclined to look out the window because they're not looking in the mirror and saying, I'm all that, pounding my chest, hear me roar, right? That's just not who they are. But if you can find a way to take the best of both of those, the mirror and the window, that's one way to potentially address it is to use some sort of a visual that literally anyone on this planet can identify with who hasn't looked out a window or looked in a mirror before. Vast majority of the populace, right? That's one possibility. Another is to make someone else or have someone prompt the S personality and then do like a quiet transfer of credit. So it's making someone else think that the credit is there. So it's sort of like a transfer of credit. And um, there's several people skills books I've read over the years that get into that concept. But one that stands out to me off the top of my head without having it here with me, Mermina, is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Carnegie. Yes, Dale Carnegie. I would recommend your audience read that book, and especially if they're an S personality, and pick out the chapter. I don't have the one right in front of me that talks about that concept. So that would be my two-part answer to your question. I love it. And yeah, I mean, Carnegie, Dale Carnegie, everybody should read the book to begin with. How to Make Friends and Influence People. And they have their courses. They have everything. But that's one of the greatest books ever. Uh, as soon as you're like, how to make, I was like, mm, that's my favorite book. If you can go on an island by yourself and you have to choose like two books, what books would you choose? Oh, my goodness. That is like asking what kind of pizza I like or something. Um and I apologize to anyone in the audience that's vegan or vegetarian. Well, actually, you can have vegan and vegetarian pizza, so I guess I'm okay there. Oh, wow, wow, wow. 
Well, I'll promise you if we re-recorded this podcast 10 more times yeah, or nine, nine plus this one equals 10, I'd probably give you different answers most of the time. So at this moment, here's my two answers. I would say number one, and these are not in a set order. So one, two, A, B, flip-flop. I'd say the Bible. Okay. And second would be Man's Search for Meaning, I believe is the title of it off the top of my head. Victor Frankel. I'm pretty sure that's the title without jumping over and double checking. Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankel. Because Frankel's example is so powerful and it's been cited by so many other people since he first wrote that book many, many moons ago. So that's the two that pop in my mind today. Understanding again, at least one of those would change every single time. So we're going to do this every time we talk. I'm just going to ask you for two more new books. Yes. So it's going to be our deal. Yes. So for your audience's benefit, feel free to check with your hostess here, Romina, and she can absolutely share with you all, especially if you're your your client. What did SJ say on the fifth time? I'll make, I'll be making a list for everybody for books to read (laughs) and not get schooling, but get education. There you go. Bingo. Huge difference. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) SJ, I'm loving this conversation. Honestly, I think we can go on for days. I love it. Never heard of Men Searching for Meaning. I wrote that down. I definitely have to look that book up if I could choose to. Like I ask these questions to my guests sometimes and I'm like, okay, what do you think about yourself, Romina? So then I'm I'm scanning all the books that I would go through. Sorry for putting you on the spot. I don't think I can choose only two myself. So I kind of did put you in the spot there. That was not prepared to the audience. I definitely want to ask you, what's a new and exciting project that you're working on that you definitely would love to share with us? Hmm, let's see. Well, I am, again, a self-professed futurist. I like to say that a lot of my work, my career or my calling, my vocation is at the intersection of the future of work and the future of education because they're codependent, they're interdependent on each other. So with that in mind, I'm always always open the collaborations and partnerships. So I'm going to point at one that's slowly taking stage and I'm phasing it in personally because the gentleman who I'm planning to work with, he's a little bit more of a D personality. And so far he's giving me space. He's not saying, well, Hey, you know, sit, you know, he doesn't, I don't even think he knows that I'm an SIIS, but he's giving me space right now. But The project, and since it's not 100% in motion yet, let's just say it's coming, because like I say, I'm slow pedaling to make sure I give it the proper attention and nurturing, is a project based on thought leadership. Because I have done a couple talks and written a blog on the four types of leadership that I believe are the most impactful in the modern age. And one of those four, without a question in my mind, is thought leadership. So the project that I'm working on is to create literally these little mini communities, these little mini tribes, or as Sir Edmund Burke taught us centuries ago, a mini platoon is what he called them. And he's one of my favorite all-time philosophers, Sir Edmund Burke, is this is a thought leadership concept where people are in these mini communities, these mini tribes, these mini platoons. So that's the one I'll point to today. Awesome. And where can people connect with you to join you as well? A lot of different ways. I have as 2021 has moved on Romina I've decided to do a little bit of a pivoting on where I'm going to be active so these are the top 3 to 5 and we're going to do between 3 and 5 as I just share them here ways to reach me 
And of course, I will share this all with you for show notes so people can, of course, click on things. So in no set order, email is still very commonplace. So they can email me and I will provide you that address so you can uh, link to it. Uh, So that's first. Another is I'm always glad to have a phone call with people. I do have a video and phone chat service that I use as well, but I can also do just general phone calls. So that would be second. Another is I am very, very active on LinkedIn. So you can look me up under SJ Barraconi and we'll make sure that's spelled again in the notes. I love LinkedIn, very active there. I also am not opposed to doing some texting, but I, because a couple of my most favorite influencers in society have recommended it, I am sticking to Telegram or Signal for my texting. Those are the two best services that I know of at this moment of recording. So that would be the fourth way. And then um, I understand you have to have some visual stuff out there these days. So I also do have an Instagram presence. So those would be the five. I'll attach the information you guys in the show notes so you can definitely connect with SJ. Now I have to jump to the final question, which I'm biased, but this is my favorite question to ask my guests. What is your personal definition of success? Wow. Yes. you. That is another piercing question. Remember, remember what I said earlier, success law, nine or 10. Make your questions bigger than your answers. This is a really, really, really good one. So we take podcasting very serious around here and ask tough questions. <laughs> you you sure do. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm not under oath here. Wow. Then again, this is not a, this is not this a, was yes a no full question. volunteer. Yeah. I mean, it's not I a mean, yes or no question. <laughs> I would say it is at the intersection of a Venn diagram. So you, Romina, as the hostess, you familiar with a Venn? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm following. So for your audience, you'll have to bear with me. If you're watching me on, the, on, on a video clip, I'm attempting to do this with my hands. It's not going to be that great, but you have these little ovals and they all are like intersecting. Mm-hmm. And the intersection of the ovals, how many ever there are, is the centerpiece of the Venn. So success is going to sit in that middle where they intersect. And here are the components. First, you have to have relational success. You have to be able to build relationships, be part of communities, tribes, cohorts, many platoons. So you have to have that. You cannot live in isolation. Mm -hmm. And of course, the last year plus at the time of this recording has been incredibly difficult for that piece. Fortunately, we're around the bend. Secondly, the other part of the Venn, you have to have your financial life in order to be successful does not mean wealth, but it means that you have to understand that monetization of your gifts is key, but you also have to do it with the understanding of win-wins and building social capital, which is why it connects that relationship piece. Third is you should be, you should be leveraging your gifts and your skills and your dreams. So that would be that third oval. And then the last is you have to have the mental piece figured out. Making yourself a better person every day, CEO of you incorporated, CEO of your own professional life, your career, your calling. So those would be the four. I love it. 
That's a different, nobody has ever explained the definition of success that way so far. I love it because everybody has different definitions and that's the thing. That's the, that's the whole mission. Everybody has different definition of success. You can define your own definition of success, whatever, you know, makes you happy at the end of the day, whatever you would like to be success. And also the definition can change from time to time, everybody. Consider success right now might not be the same. I hope it's not the same as five years later too. So that's why we asked that at the very last question. Any last thing you'd like to leave the audience with? I would say to put a capstone on this. The first thing, and I'll put these all in a very tight little ball here, a little icing on the cupcake or cherry on the sundae, you know, pick your favorite metaphor. First, do your very best to sup to replace as much of the infotainment and the entertainment in your life with lifelong learning and self-directed education. Does not mean that you can never entertain yourself or you can't do a little cross of information entertainment. It does not mean that. But what it means is you have to have a component of lifelong learning self-directed education or you will, and I'm sorry to say this, but a little deep personality for a moment, you will be left behind. Second, do not settle for mediocrity conformity, compulsion, scarcity, fixed mindset, these various things that thought leaders speak about. Don't settle for it. If the coronavirus era taught us anything, and there's some people that are saying there's a BC and an AC now, before coronavirus and after coronavirus. And I've seen this a few times on LinkedIn, and I, I tend to agree. So I'm not saying it has to be a new normal. I'm not a fan of that terminology. But what I am a fan of is understanding what has this taught you And have you made some significant changes? Because if there's ever a time now, it's a great time to get better and to pursue that, those dreams and pursue that leveraging of your gifts and skills. And then the last and final thing I'll point out is be aware that the future is upon us. These trends that I briefly referenced earlier, they're here. And I would recommend that you don't be an ostrich and stick your head in the sand. Attempt to be a lion or a tiger and be out in front. And as a thought leader, as a servant leader, as a super connector or a connector, be that person to help others to get to solutions rather than fracturing our society anymore based on problem identification. So there you go. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. And I trust I was able to add some good quality content to your downloaders. You guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with SJ as much as I did. Make sure to connect with him. All the links are in the show notes. And hit that subscribe button for next week's episode. Because yes, Halloween is around the corner. And yes, holidays are around the corner. And the kids are probably driving you bananas. But next week's episode, we are actually going to talk about how we can help children up their creativity, improve their goal settings, and create a very successful and harmonic future. So make sure to tune in next week. This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.